So when I was out in Denver covering the Pirates' disastrous series with the Rockies, I publicly advocated for Ben Charrington to go out and just start finding random beer leaguers who could actually hit the ball. And along comes John Nagowski. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. And this is Daily Shot of Pirates. Comes your way bright and early every weekday morning. If you're into football and or hockey, I also offer up Daily Shots of Steelers and Penguins. Pirates 11, Braves 1. That actually happened last night at PNC Park. The Pirates scoring as many runs in that three-hour span as they had over the previous week combined. And coincidence or not, the arrival and the insertion into the lineup, into the five-hole, no less, of John Nagowski was at least part of of what went right for the offense. Oh, yeah. I mean, Ben Gamble hit two home runs, had a career-high six RBIs. Cabrian Hayes homered. Uh, Adam Frazier reached base 100 times and all that other stuff. But Nagowski, Nagowski, my dude, walks onto the field looking like a right-handed Matt Stairs, like he just stepped out of Moe's Tavern, set the gigantic mug of icy light down on the counter and said, where's my bat? And then he went to work. Two for four with a walk, scored three runs. Just exactly what I've been talking about. Look, I'm not being weird here, okay? Nagowski's not going to be part of anybody's solution to anything. But what you can't do at the risk of repeating the refrain from a week ago is get embarrassed. And when you're at Coors Field and you get shut out back-to-back times and you're putting together these lineups on a daily basis that are all these guys with these 120, 130 batting averages and your pitcher regularly has a higher average than they do, that's embarrassing. It's literally embarrassing so anything that you can do to address it is a welcome thing Nagowski adds I believe I saw the figure from Ethan Hullihan who tracks this sort of thing online $257,000 to the payroll for the year big whoop that's what you do you go and you bring someone in He doesn't come with any recent history of hitting the ball, but this was supposed to be his thing. He's had some injuries in the past. Um, He didn't really get much of a chance, even though he had a good spring training with the Cardinals. Once he was called up to St. Louis, Mike Schilt barely used him, just uh, spot pinch hits against devastating right-handers, and it didn't work out for him. And now he's getting a chance right here and again who cares if he succeeds or fails you're looking for people who can hit the ball because you can't be embarrassed and if that's someone who feels like this is a 
big, big chance, maybe even a last chance in his professional career, so be it. This is a guy, just to, to listen to him before this game. Yeah, you know, it was it was a tough year this year. Um, you know, I had an unbelievable spring training, uh, made the team out of camp, and, and you know, kind of that was the exact player that I wanted to be. And um, got hit on the hand in Miami, second series of the year, um, fractured my hand in two places, and um, just kind of took some time to get back. And, and I was up and down. I, I think I was optioned four times um, from St. Louis to Memphis. So it was just an absolutely crazy, uh, you know, first couple months, first half. And, um, you know, I was pretty much used only in, in, in a pinch hitting role. So trying to get that rhythm on top of being up and down and, and trying to, you know, get your swing back after getting hit, it, it took a little while. And, um, you know, I felt great my last couple of weeks um, swinging and, and I'm just excited to come here and get the opportunity uh, to kind of show what I can do and, and you know, get more than, than one at bat against a, a tough ready reliever at times, you know, come in and, and get some starts and um, play great defense, run bases, you know, do all that stuff that, um, kind of makes me valuable in my opinion and, and makes me a good player, help the team win. Again, that's John Nagowski, and it was before he went out and followed through on some of that right away. Charrington had said on Sunday that his scouts were watching Nagowski and they saw certain things in his swing that made it look like he was locked in and about ready to unload. Wow. Well, <laughs> I got to tell you, it's just one night, and it was just a couple of singles and a fly out and whatever else here, and I'm not getting ahead of anything. But they found a guy who can hit, and they prioritized the fact that he can hit. I like that. I don't care if he's anchored to first base. I do care that the Kai Tom types can't hit at all. And you can't just dot your lineup with guys like that in the name of what? Versatility or I guess in Tom's case because he's a rule 5 pick you know, protecting him for the future, whatever. He's got a fake injury now, and they've got him sitting around so that, you know, he doesn't get claimed or have to be sent back. Uh, this is what you need to get through the remainder of this season. I'm not about to knock Charrington's broader effort toward the 2021 team. If he hadn't been doing his DFA carousel the way he has all season long, I would have been probably a lot more critical of him early on, earlier on, than what happened in Denver. But if you go back to even early April, when Anthony Alford struggled, and then Dustin Fowler was put out there in center field, and he struggled. They were both awful, and they both got shipped out of here. And that just kept churning all these terrible baseball players. But at least he was trying something that didn't do anything to damage the future. Ideally, of course, Jared Oliver would have been available and healthy. Oh, and by the way, productive. And you would have had a chance to look at some younger players. Actually, 
better yet, Neil Huntington and Kyle Stark would have left somebody behind who could play the outfield. They didn't. So you've got a couple of choices if you're Charrington, neither of them especially attractive, but you can't let this season just blow up in your face. It's already going to be bad enough. You can't lose the faith of the people around you, whether that's fans, media, whatever it is. And way more important, you can't lose the faith of the people on the inside. And the best way to do that is to do something like what happened last night. You know, did you see the smile on Kibrian Hayes' face? When he got back into the dugout after that home run, he's been scuffling lately. I wouldn't call it a slump. But he hasn't been anywhere near what we've learned to expect from him. He pokes a single through early in the game, a little bit of a sigh of relief. There were some guys on base, and it helped. It helped him because he was going to see pitches to hit. He was going to be in a situation that required him to maybe lock in a little harder. Later in the game, scores already out of reach, way out of reach. Key comes up and drops one over the Clemente wall for a two-run bomb. And he's feeling good. This lifts everybody up. People say, what's the difference you know, between winning and losing? Shouldn't you just tank to try to get the top pick for next year? No. No. Winning brings out the best in everybody, even if it's just occasional winning or something. But you can't just roll over and die and put out the kind of garbage lineups that they had in Denver and, of course, into the weekend against the Brewers. You can't do that. I'm not saying that lineup last night was, you know, the be-all and end-all. There's a really good chance that same lineup could go out there tonight against the Braves and get shut out and not one of us would think a blessed thing. But the reason that you go out and you get a gamble, and gamble finally ends up being a competent outfielder after you tried a hundred other guys, and the reason that you go and you get a Nagowski, and the reason that you bring up Wilmer Defoe after he'd done really well down in Indianapolis is because you can't get embarrassed at this level and call anything that you're achieving progress. You just can't do it. You can sit there and congratulate yourself and say, oh, look at us, number four in the ESPN prospect rankings and everything else, doesn't matter because what's happening while you're building up that system is your fuse, which is visible to people in Pittsburgh, your fuse is already lit, and it's working its way down the wick, and you can't afford that. You can't afford to ask people to look at your system and say, oh, wait, three or four years. You can't do it. You have an older fan base, for crying out loud, a really older fan base. No one wants to hear how they've got to wait three, four, five years. you got to show them something now. you got to make them believe something now. I'm not talking about spending stupid money. I'm talking about John 
Nogowski. When we come back, just one question. Just one question, and that's always brought to you on this program by our friends at the North Shore Tavern, directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. North Shore Tavern, in addition to being home of Steak on a Stone, in addition to being home of the planet's only dedicated year-round Pittsburgh Baseball Club sports bar, also will be the home to our seventh anniversary bash for DK Pittsburgh Sports. We're having that for all of our subscribers, readers, viewers, listeners, whatever it is that you happen to be. Come on down and hang out with us at North Shore Tavern, July 15. That's a 1-5, beginning at 5 p.m. We'd love to have you down there. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. Today's question comes from Ben Lutrario, who asks, DK, how do you see the Pirates going about their draft starting Sunday? Pitching heavy, position player heavy, or a mix of both? Well, Ben, the first thing I have to say to you is it's a joy getting a question about something other than just the number one overall pick. When scouts and scouting directors and GMs convene to plan a draft, they don't spend nearly as much time fussing over the 1-1 as we do. They just don't. It's, it's there. It's an enormously important pick. But they've also got a ton of others. And they've got an entire class to consider. And they've got an entire system to fill. If you're the Pirates and you're making up for Neil Huntington and Kyle Stark leaving you bare bones, that's actually really, really important as well. I believe, Ben, that this draft, by the time it's done, not just the first overall pick, but by the time it's all done, is going to have a pretty significant pitching component to it. But I also believe that Steve Sanders, Ben Charrington's assistant, who oversees this process, as well as Charrington himself, believe deeply that pitching only works in your system if you have a lot of it. Because as we have seen over the years, so much can go so wrong. And when you're picking first overall or really high in the supplemental round or high in the second round, and the Pirates will obviously be doing that the whole way through, you're going to have a lot of opportunities to take pitching, but you can take a bunch of it. What you can't do, Ben, is have 1-1 become a bust. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and in, in fairness to the previous regime, Garrett Cole was a 1-1. Garrett Cole, he's having a rough time now with the Yankees, but he's hardly been a bust. You know what I'm saying? At, at, at one point, Garrett Cole was considered, when he was in Houston, to be the best pitcher in all of baseball. It might have been just a brief tenure, but that's the opposite of bust. 
Jamison Tyon, I mean, he's in the majors and he's plugged along. He's obviously had some of the worst injury and health luck, but he wasn't a bust. But there, even there, you see the kind of the, the, the scariness of taking a pitcher. Don't get me wrong here. I'd still do it, but I also understand and appreciate that if your pitcher isn't something that's head and shoulders above everybody else the way, let's say, Steven Strasburg was when Washington took him, then you're better off just piling up a whole bunch of arms. Coach him up. Hope for the best. Get guys who can throw really hard because that's the one part you can't coach. You can teach somebody a changeup. You can't teach them 97 MPH. And that's that's where I think this draft is going to show up. I, I really do, Ben. I, I think you're going to see a position player taken at first overall and everyone's going to moan and groan about it and, because they saw Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker on TV and they didn't see these other guys on TV. But I, I, I think that as you get deeper into the draft, presuming that any casual fans actually pay attention after the first pick, you're going to see a lot of pitching come into the mix. Good question, man. Thanks. I appreciate that. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. We'll do another one tomorrow. Mm-hmm.